Welcome to The Irony of Beauty, a fortnightly podcast hosted by skincare experts Fiona and Rose. They love a good chat and sometimes a heated debate about all things skin and nutrition, calling out scaremongering, misinformation and misleading marketing in an ever-confusing world of beauty and wellness. Please note, the information provided is for entertainment purposes only and does not replace qualified medical advice. Good morning, Rose. Hello, how are we this morning? Bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. I've had my collagen coffee, I'm ready to go. Um, so you've just come back from Europe. I came. I was there, what, April, so a couple of months ago, and we thought it would be the ideal opportunity to talk about what we saw over there in regards to skincare trends, because I definitely noticed a few things, and you probably did, and we haven't discussed them yet, so let's get into it. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited. Um, now, if I sound a little tinny, I am in the clinic this morning, so I do apologise if the sound isn't too great. But, um, yeah, overseas holiday was amazing, bit of work, bit of play. But, yeah, it's interesting to see the trends, what people are interested, what clients are looking for these days, what treatments are popular, um, skincare trends, brands. Yeah, and it, it, I found it very different with each area that I visited. So I went to London, Paris and Italy. Um, and Italy is very, very different to what London and Paris you know are as well and I know you went to London also didn't you I was in London but I unfortunately didn't get to Paris and Italy as he did (laughs) Um, but the things I noticed you know I'm fascinated with skincare it's my passion literally live and breathe it so I was really looking at more the consumer side of skincare and where that was going probably what I noticed the most was more fragrance-free in particular, essential oil-free products. I know particularly in professional skincare, it's always been sort of a move away from fragrance, um, particularly sort of more your synthetic type artificial fragrance. But what I was noticing is that now people are saying, you know, this doesn't contain essential oils or fragrant compounds, which I thought was quite interesting. And... You know, for me, I think, you know, in professional skincare, quite often you'll hear therapists sort of say, oh, you know, don't use fragrance on your skin, it's irritating. And I think we've already sort of talked about that in the past and it depends on the product and the skin and all of that. But what does grind my gears is when people say this product doesn't have artificial fragrance, but then they're promoting a product that has got essential oils in or fragrant compounds, so things like the geraniol or um, citronelle, so things that are just or more potentially irritating but making out that they're more natural so they're safer for the skin. So they're still safe, but if somebody does have, you know, potentially um, sensitivity to fragrance and they're going to also be sensitive to essential oils and the fragrant compounds as well. So I thought it was interesting that there's definitely a move away from products that have any fragrance whatsoever. And it's interesting because I just then started thinking about what I use and I actually can't think of anything that I use that does have fragrance in it. Um, So I think that's something that probably we'll start to see more of, people getting used to completely fragrant-free products. 
I agree. Um, I did notice that as well. And and clients are more aware now. People are more aware of what they're using on their skin. They're more aware of ingredients these days. They're doing their own research. So they do want to use something healthy. Um, one thing that I did um, ask a few questions uh, to some therapists when I was in Paris is it's very, very competitive over there. They're very into their skin. They, they're very chic. Um, the French women, so they they don't like to wear a lot of makeup. They love skincare. They love their skin to look really healthy, but it's very competitive. So there's lots of new things popping up all the time in Paris. Um, so that was really interesting to hear. They'll they'll try new things, but then they'll go back to what they really really enjoy and what they feel is really healthy for their skin as well. So they're very into the way that their skin looks um, naturally. You know, mm. it, very much into their skin health. Biologic Bajash is huge um, in Paris, in Italy. Um, I really noticed that as one of the most popular brands. But in Italy, I noticed a lot of women are into their designer brands of skincare. So when I walked into, um, uh, it, it's called Rinascente, the department store in Italy, and the brands of skincare in there, I was absolutely blown away. You know, you've got your Dolce Gabbana's, you've got, you know, all your top designer brands of skincare and, and clients love it. You know, they want to be known to be using a really top brand. So that was one thing I did notice in Italy. Mm. And I think I've noticed that as well, that the designer brands actually, they're they're all coming on board with either starting with makeup and then moving into skincare. So even Prada, I think, just last week or just very recently has launched makeup and skincare, which I thought was interesting. And you, I don't know if that was already available in Italy, Dolce & Gabbana. You know, most of them now have got skincare as well. Something I've noticed as well is those more luxury brands, if you like, like the Chanel's, normally associated with more your mature market, um, little sophisticated clientele, they definitely seem to be going after a younger market now. If you look at the way that they're advertising, it's a lot younger. They're using a lot more colour in their advertising as well. So that's interesting. And I think, you know, even with the younger clientele, they're spending more money on skincare. So a lot of them are using the really cheap skincare, you know, like the ordinary because they want the actives. But these young girls, these teenagers, are also spending a fortune on things like the Drunk Elephant, which is sort of brightly coloured, um, attracting that younger clientele. And these products are going for sort of a $100 a product. So people are spending money on skincare, but they are, I think, as well wanting results. And I think we're going to see a lot more consumer um, awareness now on the evidence behind skincare. You know, they're wanting evidence-based skincare, they're wanting evidence-based ingredients. And I think a lot of people don't realise that there's only a handful of in ingredients really that have true, tried and tested evidence behind them. You know, these are the ones in, um, you know, dermatology journals and, and things that, you know, there's real studies on these ingredients and that would be things like your niacinamide, vitamin B3, retinaldehyde, retinoic acid, you know, even things like your urea, your glycerin. These are all ingredients that are tried and tested and we know that they work. So people are looking more for those ingredients. But at the same time, I think the brands also, because everyone's now putting those in their products, they're looking for something that's a little bit different as well. And they're definitely looking for things that are, 
sciencey to try and attract people in. Um, so it's interesting to see where it's going to go because we're we're looking at evidence based ingredients, but we're also wanting new things that are exciting. And I went to a conference recently, and you know, a lot of the the beauty editors were saying, you know, we're just so over another white clinical skincare brand you know there's nothing different at the moment so it's difficult we want the evidence um we want those ingredients that tried and tested but there are new emerging ingredients maybe that don't have that solid evidence behind them and i think we're going to start to see that hybrid that mix of newer technology tried and tested technology no fragrant compounds, you know, we're really sort of moving, it seems, in in that direction. I think that's good. Um, but then how do we know that things have been tried and tested? We know those staple ingredients. We use them all the time on our clients. You know, those staples we know are predictable, they're trustworthy, we know they're going to get results. But these new emerging ingredients that are coming through, how do we know that they're effective? How do we know that they're combining them with the right ingredients that are going to be effective um, and safe to use on the skin. How would a consumer know that at the end of the day? They're, they're attracted to the new packaging. They're attracted to something new. But how do we know it's going to be effective? Well, that's when it really comes down to trying the product yourself. I think more brands now are going to be pressured to actually have clinical testing on their products because the reality is there's evidence behind certain ingredients but very few brands actually then test the final formula and that's because of we're limited in skincare as to the claims that you can make um so that's one thing but also these tests are very very expensive i mean skinceuticals as an example they put in you know a fortune into all their clinical trials and tests for their skincare as a result their skincare is more expensive but it comes with um you know more more testing and that is why you know a lot more medical people you know medical professionals tend to go for more those brands that do actually have further proof if you like behind them so I do think there's going to be a push into that direction saying that though the smaller brands are going to struggle because they simply don't have that that research and those resources behind them like those big companies such as the the L'Oreal's so that will be interesting to see where that goes sometimes you know it is a case of use a product and see does it work for your skin all skincare should work but as we know not all skincare does work <laughs> and it's different oh, for everyone too it's different for everyone too but you know there's a lot of ingredients out there that really don't have any substantial evidence behind them you know and that they're there for just sort of making the product sound good and you know a lot of the more natural products will put in things like I don't know goji berry and kakadu plum and um you know noni juice extract and all, all these types of things and there's really no strong scientific evidence behind that there may be nice antioxidants um, but those type of ingredients I think don't have much going for them but we do need those solid ingredients like the niacinamide the vitamin c the the retinaldehydes if we're really looking to get good results definitely those staples yeah absolutely and I think um like I said before clients are aware these days they're going to ask the right questions they're doing their own research and to be honest I think clients will pay for a product 
that they know is good for them and they know that actually works, especially for those clients that are really looking and, and very serious about their skin, they will pay for it. But they also don't want to pay for something that's not going to work. So I know my clients here, they will want a product that's going to work for their skin. They will pay for it if they know that it's going to be good for them. So they're trusting my recommendation um, at the end of the day. But if they were to go out in the big wide world, how would they know what to use? And it is, it's trial and error, isn't it? Like, how would they know? They don't. And that's the thing, you know, and I think we sort of touched on this before. They don't know. And it's becoming sort of dog eat dog out there. You know, brands are getting more outrageous with their claims, you know, preservative free, emulsifier free, you know, really outrageous claims that really don't have a, you know, they're quite misleading in my opinion. Um, <laughs> that's not Dave. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear <laughs> somebody at Let's the door about that. <laughs> that's my front door going sorry about that um so I, th- I think you know there's not a there's a lot of outrageous claims being made and I think I think the savvy consumer really has to learn how to read through all that misleading marketing and that's something that I'm really really passionate about I also think now brands are going more for unusual packaging or brighter colours or something that will draw you in, you know, because even myself, I'm like, oh, not just another white bottle or that packaging's really boring. But at the same time, I don't want really brightly coloured packaging because that doesn't go in my bathroom, let's face it. <laughs> so well, I, exactly. you know, I am, I am um, influenced by the packaging, I, I must admit. If something is really, really good, then I will buy it. doesn't matter what it looks like. doesn't matter really what it smells like, even though I might not like the smell. If it's really working, I'll push through. But if I do see something that does look beautiful, that would lure me in a little bit. But at the end of the day, if I was going to repurchase, I do need to see a result with it too. Of course, um, and, and every client is different in that regard. Some people get attracted to the packaging. Some people just want something that works. Some people want to have it feel like a real experience, so they want that jar to look incredible and to feel really luxe. So it's interesting to see how everyone is so different. But um, when I was walking through Selfridges in London um, and, and obviously Rinascente in Italy, those department stores, I felt like a child in a lolly shop. Like I, I was just, because I love skincare so much, I just thought, oh, my goodness, I could spend a fortune in here. And I'm obviously aware of what works and what doesn't and what I like. However, to the average consumer, it's so confusing. And and the first time I meet a client in the clinic, that's the first thing they tell me, Rose, I just don't even want to go into the stores anymore because I don't even know what to buy. Um, I don't know what works. Um, so most, you know, there is that other end where they do get confused um, as well. Mm. And also sometimes as well, that's where the branding really has the biggest impact. So what brand is resonating with you as in what is their philosophy? What are they all about? What do they stand for? What does the whole brand look like to you and is it something that you want to buy into? And I think that is where branding does play a big role and that is what people buy into because at the end of the day, most of us will buy based on emotion. It's what emotionally connects to us, what speaks to us. And so I think that's really important that somebody really understands the product and they, they it speaks to their soul. I mean, I know that sounds a bit deep, but for me that brand has to speak to my soul and I have to really resonate with it. 
Of course. Um, me personally, if I'm going to invest in skincare, I would rather go for a brand that solely focuses on skincare as opposed to a brand that is predominantly makeup and then decided to venture out in skincare as well. That to me is a big thing. I agree. Absolutely. Um, and then, you know, we're just saying, you know, these fashion brands now are venturing they or, and fragrance brands are now venturing into skincare as well. So absolutely. I think, you know, you want to be going with the brand that that is a skincare brand first and foremost, mm. rather than a brand that has ventured out, because again, that would possibly imply to me they're jumping on that skincare bandwagon that everyone else is bringing out a skincare range even the celebrities are so let's bring out a skincare range and then that to me as well how invested are they in actual results correct that's right they're just diversifying their brand um so predominantly they're a makeup brand however they've decided to venture into skincare so for me personally when i'm choosing skincare i'll always go for a brand that is predominantly skincare lots of science behind it studies research that to me is what I'm looking for. And that that comes down to also the brands that I stock in the clinic and I recommend for my clients too. Mm. Um, I agree. We're on the same page with that one. Um, the other thing that I'm finding quite interesting as well is in skincare, there seems this is going at a crazy fast rate in general, um, AI. So um, oh. this is freaking me out about how quickly everything is becoming, <laughs> you know, based on artificial intelligence and how we're using that. And I think this is just going to accelerate. And I know some of the really big skincare companies are, are really investing a lot of time and money into AI, whether it's devices that can read your skin. Um, I'm going to an event tomorrow, actually. Or is it today? What day is it? Wednesday. Okay, <laughs> it's tomorrow. <laughs> Oh, I'm so confused. The week's going quickly. Um, and, you know, on, on equipment now that is based on artificial intelligence, you know, so advanced skin tightening equipment. There's a, a machine called Exion that I'm I'm going to find more about. And apparently it's like very similar to Morpheus Eight. It's microneedling with RF, um, but it's based on artificial intelligence. So apparently the artificial intelligence um is able to read the skin and in that way it knows how much energy to deliver at a maximum um, energy without causing damage to the skin to optimise the results for the patient and to minimise the, the pain. So you could just imagine how quick this is, is happening with artificial intelligence and quite exciting to know what treatments will be coming I know there's quite a few new injectable treatments sort of collagen remodeling type treatments coming as well not yet here but I think there are some on the cards for the future so that's also quite exciting as well especially for me because I'm in my 50s so um, I'm like oh <laughs> oh look industry is evolving so quickly um, I'm actually going to the aesthetics conference. I'll be in Sydney, as you know, on Friday. So I'm really keen to see what's new at the moment. Um, procedures that are really in and are really big, you know, Australia in general is about 10 years behind on some things, but procedures that I noticed that are really in overseas when I was there, Morpheus 8, definitely, that's huge. Um, and women's intimate health, women's intimate rejuvenation is big, very, very, very big overseas. And it's now becoming more... Um, noticed and more awareness here in Australia as well. 
And this is probably where you and I might disagree on this area. Um, <laughs> Because for me, I can't get my head around it. And I probably, and you can expand a little bit more, but for me, when it comes to sort of things like vaginal rejuvenation and, and pelvic floor and that type of stuff, to me, that's something where I would go and see a gynecologist. Um, it's not necessarily where I would go and see a, a skin therapist, dermal therapist, and I know have a probe stuck inside me and you know, I don't know, with spikes and all sorts of things going on. And, you know, to me, that is a little bit scary. So it's interesting to see how well that will be received here in Australia. I know the companies are quite selective about who they give these devices to. Um, they really look at industry experience and device experience. So that is a concern for some people. The device itself, uh, the Empower RF, is the one that does work on women's intimate rejuvenation and it uses radio frequency. Very safe, um, very comfortable to have done, you know, and it's also very tailored to the client. So I know myself using the Morpheus 8 device for so long, I have a lot of confidence with the machine, a lot of experience with the machine, and I understand that device very intimately. And if you can apply Literally. the same knowledge... <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, when I'm working on someone's, you know, face or body, you know, it's easy. I, I, it gels in my head. So I think as a therapist or a practitioner, you have to understand the device and that's what the company looks for. Um, when it comes to the intimate, intimate women's rejuvenation device, the Empower RF, it does use the same technology. However, it's tailored to suit that area. But you also have to understand your client and what they're going through. You know, um, it's not something that you would just throw on um, on every single client. There's There really is a thorough consult. You have to understand how the device is working on the client and what they're wanting to achieve. Um, and I think, like for me myself, I'm very confident in it and I think that's where the company felt very comfortable in giving me this device. But I know they're very selective about who they do give it to. Yeah, absolutely. Um mm. And when you say sort of intimate rejuvenation, can you expand on exactly what that is? I mean, why would someone, what could someone expect from having that done? And, you know, if someone's got sort of a, a drop pelvic floor or sort of, you, there's only so much you can do, surely, what exactly, you know, what will it do for you? What will it do? Well, the device itself has three different components. So for clients or women themselves, they're noticing lots of changes as we get older, whether it's before childbirth, after childbirth, we start to notice little changes where it'll look different. The skin starts to change. It starts to become a little bit more lax on the outside. Um, we also have, you know, some people have an innie, some people have an Audi. So we notice that the, the, um, the labia minora is actually starts to become a little bit loose and starts to hang a little bit as well. So what this machine can do for those clients that are concerned about that is using the radio frequency, the former V, to help to plump up that skin on the outside and tighten it up. So it does actually look better aesthetically, but it's also helping the skin to also plump up and stimulate collagen. Skin is skin. We age down there just like we do on our face. So from an aesthetic point of view, it can help. It can also help with urinary incontinence. So there is a probe that's inserted um, and the radio frequency is applied and it feels very comfortable. There's no pain. It almost feels like a hot stone massage. And there's an advanced technique that you use. <laughs> I've, never a, I've never had a hot stone massage around that area, but anyway. It's pretty new. Um, 
and there's a technique that you use that you can really help to, to stimulate that area, not just from a collagen point of view with the vaginal wall, so you thicken that vaginal wall, but you can also help with urinary incontinence as well. So it's actually life-changing for women, and this is just not for women that are going through menopause. This is women that are actually just had their first child and they're already noticing leaking. So from that component, that can help. The pelvic floor side of things, um, there is a probe that is inserted that uses EMS, electromuscular stimulation, um, to actually contract that muscle at such a fast rate um, that can that you, you really can't do when you do your own kind of pelvic floor exercises. Um, so there's that component as well. And for clients that are, are concerned with, you know, that little bit of leaking, you know, if they're coughing or they're going to go for a run and they're noticing that little bit of leakage, it can actually be really life-changing. Um, you know, working on that pelvic floor muscle consistently can also help with things like prolapse later in life as well. So they're two components of the device. The other component, which I know scares you a little bit, <laughs> is the Morpheus component. So that component, what that does is it uses the fractional radio frequency, so the, the needling with In, the RF. Inside? Inside, yeah. yes. And to be honest with you, I've had it done. Um, to be honest, because the nerve endings around that vagina wall, are, you know, they're, they're just not there. They're, you don't feel it. What you feel is like a pressure, but you do not feel the heat and you do not feel the needles. So it's actually very comfortable. Um, and it's applied internally in kind of like a circular motion and you're pulling the probe out so you're coming back to the front of that area and it basically rejuvenates that skin inside, it tightens everything up, it rebuilds that skin, thickens the vaginal wall, which is absolutely life-changing for women because some women experience pain in sex, some uh, women experience that real laxity that happens post-childbirth. It can change their life completely. It fascinates me because I'm, I just don't understand who would get it done. <laughs> to be honest with you, the reason why I researched this yeah. type of treatment, um, two years ago I went to a medical conference and I listened to a gynecologist present. Yeah. He was He's a vaginal reconstructive surgeon and he presented some case studies and I really saw, number one, how different we all are, um, but number two, how many women actually suffer after childbirth in particular and also going through menopause. And that, to me, I felt really um, inspired to be able to help women and do some research rather than just going down the road of surgery, looking for devices and seeing what's out there to be able to help them, you know, without going down that road of having some surgery. Mm. And I do get um, feedback a lot from women with weakened pelvic floor and incontinence and things like that, mild incontinence, but after childbirth as well. There's also um, a chair, I think it's called the Tesla, Tesla, something like that, um, yes. which you sit on and that creates muscular contraction and helps to strengthen the pelvic floor, which is also meant to be very good as well. I don't know you know, I, th I think it really depends on how far gone you are as to how much of an improvement can be made. And I think more preventative probably would be a, a good thing. Um, it's just interesting how many people would, would be having this treatment. So I'm fascinated to to hear more about it and to see, you know, how many people actually do have it. 
when you open up the conversation, it's interesting what clients will say. Um, we are all going through the same thing. We just don't talk about it. The difference with the chair is that uses a little bit more of a magnetic energy. So it's very difficult to target that muscle. Um, whereas with this device here, it uses the EMS side of things. So electromuscular stimulation, you're really targeting that muscle and you can feel it, believe me. Um, so yeah, it, it, the, the precision of this machine, I'm really confident in, but this is, this is good for all ages. It is preventative. It is about education. It is about awareness. Um, and it's about taking the stigma away and making feel, women feel comfortable with knowing that we're all going through these things. So, you know, I'm, I'm actually having an education event on this, you know, just opening up the conversation, um, which you'll be speaking at as well, which I'm really happy about, um, you know, opening up the conversation, helping women to understand the types of changes that we do experience as we get older and, and helping younger women to understand that just because you have an Audi and your girlfriend has an innie doesn't make anything, it, it, there's nothing wrong. You're normal. You know, we're all different. But there are things that you can do, even as a young girl, to improve the look of it if that's really worrying you. Yeah. And I also think with that as well, you know, there's a lot of insecurity for women on what it should look like. And I think, again, that comes down to probably the only other vaginas a, a woman would see would be something that's on a porn site or something like that do you know what I mean so it's not like the normal ones get shown it's like bodies you know very few of us see the normal body you know we do because we work on bodies all the time I can honestly say I remember you know when I was doing more hands-on probably in all my years of hands-on treatments I saw what I would call two perfect bodies like like what you see on Instagram the rest are just normal <laughs> I agree. And I, I always remember thinking that you, it was more of a surprise when somebody came in that I would say, you know, as I said, it was probably about twice I saw what I would have considered, wow, this person's got a really great body, a perfect body. Most of the time it's just completely normal body and there's stretch marks and there's cellulite and there's flabby bits and there's um, – I always remember that because I was thinking, yeah, what we see in the magazines at that time, um, it was all airbrushing and now, of course, it's filters on Instagram and um, wellness people that are showing their bodies because they've got the bodies to show and then the normal people don't, we don't see them in their bikinis on Instagram. And so there is this ideal that we we look at and think, well, well, I should be looking like that. But in fact, it's more than normal to have cellulite. It's very unusual not to have any kind of dimpling. And I think that's something that would be nice if we saw more off. But unfortunately, with Instagram now, it's actually gone the other way. You know, we, at one point we were quite anti-airbrushing in magazines and, you know, people making their legs longer and brushing out the wrinkles. But it's gone a whole other step now with Instagram and all the face filters and yes you know I've used face filters and I've got to the point where now if I don't use a filter I'm like oh I forgot actually I <laughs> I forgot yeah, what I normal hasn't it like it's normal you've got to put a filter on um it's become normal and it's also got to the point now where people are expecting their skin to look like a filter an Instagram filter or they're wanting surgery to look like they've had a filter. I mean, if you look at the Kardashians, how much surgery they have had, you know, nose jobs and cheek filler and Botox and eyebrows. And it is interesting how 
the look has changed. If you look at a movie from 20 years ago, the eyebrows are different, the teeth are different, there's there's less filler and Botox. And then now everybody looks a lot more perfect in real life because they're having, you know, most people have had their teeth done and they're, you don't see real teeth anymore. Everyone's got perfect teeth. They've got sort of perfectly sculpted brows and the filler. It is quite interesting where it's all going. And I think you mentioned earlier about in Europe, the women tend to look more natural. And I think in the US in certain areas, you know, the LA areas, and I think in Sydney, the women tend to look a lot more done, you know, with the filler and the big lips and the eyelashes and the hair extensions. Whereas in Europe, there's more this chic, elegant look of wanting real skin and wanting more natural looking makeup. And you don't have these tacky, big, thick eye eyelashes um which personally I can't stand I think they look horrendous and all the hair extensions and the massive long fake nails I think we will be hopefully beginning to catch up with more that elegant look of more of a natural beauty even though there may be quite a bit of work involved to get that natural beauty look um and you can have tweakments as I like to call them to give you that enhanced natural beauty look I think moving away from the big puffy pillow face big cheeks and the big lips and the fake lashes because we just look fake we actually look ridiculous we look literally like a muppet from the 1970s (laughs) that is so true Um, I think people are chasing this perception of perfection aren't they they're they're thinking that we all need to be some sort of perfect. And, you know, the Kardashians have set a certain standard. They've made plastic surgery accessible. They've made injectables accessible. They've made it the normal. But nowadays, people, women are becoming more aware of accepting their natural beauty. We are becoming more, well, we're embracing ageing. We just want to look good. We want to feel good. And we want to age really healthily. And it is about accepting, um, you know, ourselves as we get older and embracing that. So, you know, I'm quite passionate about this because speaking to clients every single day and opening up the conversation, I hear all sorts of stories and how insecure women are and how it's affecting their sexual life with their partners. Um, They're experiencing, you know, regular UTIs, you know, that there's so many things going on. And even with younger girls now, they feel like, like I said earlier, they don't look normal if their vagina is different to their girlfriend. So they are looking for procedures, even plastic surgery, to reconstruct their vagina at such a young age. It's so unnecessary. Um, But there are these devices now that can improve the look of them. And, you know, there is a condition called vaginismus as well. I'm not sure if you've heard of it, but this machine can also help with that as well. Um, That's where, you know, painful sex, um, tightening up of the muscle area, associated more with trauma, This can actually help young girls. It can help that area to relax. It brings the blood flow, which can also enhance their sexual pleasure as well. So there's a lot of um, positives with this machine um, or this device, I should say, and and with the treatment, it's really going to take off in Australia. And the more that we talk about it, the more women are very excited and very curious. So I'm really keen for this event because... um, it's going to really open up some really good conversations and really help women to feel like they are normal. And yes, oh my goodness, my girlfriend's going through the same thing, you know? Absolutely. No, I do think it is something that does need to be spoken about more. And it is just a very interesting area. We are literally now 
from head to toe, literally, <laughs> there's a treatment for it. And um, I, I am curious to see where it goes. I'm also curious, quite honestly, to see how much of an improvement can be made. That's my only thing, you know, I'm still a little bit hesitant with that to see, you know, quite how much can it do because a lot of these treatments can be very expensive. So if you're spending thousands of dollars, is it better just to go for surgery and get the quick fix and get it all done and and not go through all of those treatments depending on what is required? And I think that's when it's important to have realistic expectations and understand what can and can't be achieved and that really comes down to going to the right practitioner that can advise you and be very very honest with what can be achieved and what can't be achieved. 100% right and that comes down to the assessment so for someone that is interested in this type of treatment you do need to be very honest with them and they also have to have realistic expectations. Um, I, I have before and after photos which obviously I can't put up on Instagram um, we will put them up at the event, so you'll see them. <laughs> I'll give you the heads up on that. Will I be um, able to recognise you, Rose? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I, I, I know. <laughs> um, but, yeah, having realistic expectations for the client and explaining the changes that can be made, showing clients before and afters for women that have had this procedure done helps them to understand the sorts of changes they're going to get. You'll see changes instantly. Um, you'll feel the change instantly. I've had it done, you know, twice now. And, you know, this treatment can give you that design of vagina that you're looking for without the surgery. Surgery does give you a lot of high risk with complications, adverse reactions. You never really know what's going to happen at the end. But it's nice to have this alternative that is, you know, safer without surgery. There is um, another treatment uh, that's becoming quite popular as well. Um, the depigmentation um, procedure for the intimate area. So um, for women that have had lots of laser hair removal, um, estrogen, obviously hormones has a lot to do with this as well. The skin darkens as we get older. Um, so that's also becoming very popular now too. And men too. Yes. Yes. Men as well. Yep. I think definitely. I think a lot of guys actually quite into that um how do I say I'm gonna say a lot of guys are into the anal area that probably yeah (laughs) kind of came out wrong but it's kind of true you know they are um and a specific community in particular um are very aware of what that area looks like and would be very into that that type of thing and do you find that effective does it get good results yeah, absolutely. It um, it helps to lighten up the skin in the area. With the anal area, you can also use the former V component of the Empower RF. So for guys and for girls, so for women that have had episiotomies, um, you can actually use the RF probe to actually tighten up the skin on the outside. So that can make a huge difference. Um, and then, yes, the depigmentation uh, treatment as well to kind of clean up the area and make it look you know, really youthful again by removing that, that darker colour. It changes people's lives. It really does. It, it's just phenomenal. So I can't wait to get more clients having this done. Um, it, yeah, I'm excited. It's fascinating to me because, to be honest, that would be the last thing I would worry about. Like, to me, nobody yeah. sees that um, apart from, you know, poor old Dave. <laughs> <laughs> um, but 
To me, it's the last thing I would worry about. I do have a machine at home, though. I've got one of those. I call it a wobble machine because if I say it's a vibrating machine, you're going to think of a different type of machine. But it's it's one of those machines you stand on and it vibrates. Oh, yes, yes, yes. I actually don't know what the real word for it is, but that I bought because it's good for bones, it's good for circulation, and it's incredible for pelvic floor. I use that um, and I love it and I, I use that several times a week, try and do it every day but um, probably don't always get to do it every day. So for me, pelvic floor is great. I'm massively into yoga as well which is incredible for pelvic floor um, and for your core strength as well. Um, so for me personally, it's just not something I would entertain or even even look at. Um, I, don't, I haven't had children though so, you know, I'm pretty good down there. <laughs> Oh, and you're so lucky. Um, but And you know what? In saying what you've just said, I don't think anything replaces exercise. Mm. Um, even with these devices, you still need to exercise. Everything, you know, everything helps. You know, there's no one quick fix. There's no one thing that's going to solve all of your problems. It is coming back down to your lifestyle, right? Mm. So you know, even coming back down to supplements, you know, the omegas, the collagen powder, you know, all of that is going to support support the intimate area as well. You know, it's not just the skin on the face we're talking about. We're talking about down there. Mm, mm, and eating it, right? Yeah. <laughs> the, only reason yeah. I, the only reason I say that is um, people do do strange things um, with products and I've that's a whole other debate, but I've had people that have used topical products and eaten them um, and then products... <laughs> that are designed to be eaten and used them topically. And, you know, I did have someone the other day that was taking the collagen, the collagen powder, literally off the spoon and they were taking spoonfuls of the dry powder and said, oh, you know, it's a bit hard to swallow. I'm like, well, you meant to dissolve it. <laughs> um, so not laughing at that. I, I've had all sorts of stuff that people have done with, with products, you know, taking um, multivitamins and breaking them open, putting them on their face or taking um skin capsules and then actually eating them and putting body oil in their salad and all sorts of things so i think knowing how to use something is very important and following the directions is extremely important um and i, I do have quite a few funny stories to share there and that just comes down to either not being explained how to use something properly or not following the directions, let's face it. Um, but it is an interesting area and I think, you know, artificial intelligence coming in, we're seeing um, new skincare products coming in, we're seeing more evidence-based um, clinical trials happening and so I think it is a very exciting skincare space and all this new technology as well, you know, as you said, for more intimate areas, I'm really curious to see how that goes. And I think it will just become part of the norm, part of going in and having treatments and, and having that area done. But again, being very cautious who you, who you pick to perform that treatment. Yes, 100%. It does come back down to the practitioner's discretion, understanding your client. Um, and understanding your device that you're working with, you have to understand it on an intimate level. It's almost like you're in a relationship with the machine because you are the practitioner that's going to perform a procedure on a client. They want to see results, but they want safety and they want predictability. And that's what it's all about. Yeah, absolutely. And the other thing that just before we finish, my only question on that as well would be, you know, making sure that you are getting regular um, gynecological checkups and things like that as well and getting um, 
smears and, and all that type of thing too, which is really important before you start having all other kinds of treatments. To me, that would that would make sense too. Yes, before starting um, on any client, I always ask them to get pap smears, so just to make sure that everything is, you know, all okay. So that's definitely part of protocol before we even start the procedure. So it's a real thorough assessment. It's um, a very thorough consultation, you know, it comes back down to, like I said, realistic expectations and, and the best treatment you can give that client. Yeah, absolutely. Exciting times ahead. I know. 